Chapter Twenty Four of the Bride of Lammermoor. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. The Bride of Lammermoor by Sir Walter Scott. Chapter Twenty Four. Hamlet, has this fellow no feeling of his business? He sings at grave-making. Horatio, custom hath made it in him a property of easiness. Hamlet, tis e'en so, the hand of little employment hath the daintier sense. Hamlet, Act 5, Scene 1. The sleep of Ravenswood was broken by ghastly and agitating visions, and his waking intervals disturbed by melancholy reflections on the past and painful anticipations of the future. He was perhaps the only traveller who ever slept in that miserable kennel without complaining of his lodgings, or feeling inconvenience from their deficiencies. It is when the mind is free, the body's delicate. Morning, however, found the master an early riser, in hopes that the fresh air of the dawn might afford the refreshment which night had refused him. He took his way towards the solitary burial ground, which lay about half a mile from the inn. The thin blue smoke, which already began to curl upward, and to distinguish the cottage of the living from the habitation of the dead, apprised him that its inmate had returned and was stirring. Accordingly, on entering the little churchyard, he saw the old man labouring in a half-made grave. "'My destiny,' thought Ravenswood, "'seems to lead me to scenes of fate and of death. But these are childish thoughts, and they shall not master me. I will not again suffer my imagination to beguile my senses. The old man rested on his spade as the master approached him, as if to receive his commands, and as he did not immediately speak, the sexton opened the discourse in his own way. "'You will be a wedding customer, sir, I's warrant.' "'What makes you think so, friend?' replied the master. "'I live by twa trades, sir,' replied the blithe old man. "'Fiddle, sir, and spade.' filling the world and emptying of it, and I should ken baith cast of customers by headmark in thirty years' practice. You are mistaken, however, this morning, replied Ravenswood. Am I? said the old man, looking keenly at him. Troth, and it may be, since for as brent as your brow is, there is something sitting upon it this day that is as near akin to death as to wedlock. Weel, weel. The pick and shovel are as ready to your order as bow and fiddle. I wish you, said Ravenswood, to look after the decent interment of an old woman, Alice Gray, who lived at the Craigfoot in Ravenswood Park. Alice Gray? Blind Alice, said the sexton. And is she gone at last? That's another jow of the bell, to bid me be ready. I mind when Habby Gray brought her down to this land. A likely lass she was then, and looked ower her Southland knows it as all. I trow her pride got a downcome. And is she in gan? She died yesterday, said Ravenswood, and desired to be buried here beside her husband. You know where he lies, no doubt? Ken where he lies? answered the sexton, with national indirection of response. I ken where obody lies that lies here. But you were speaking o'er grave. Lord help us, it's no an ordinary grave that will hod her in, if all's true that folk said of Alice in her old days. 
and if I gie to six feet deep, and a warlock's grave shouldna be an inch mere ebb, or a rain witch comers would soon whirl her out of her shroud for all their old acquaintance. And be it six feet or be it three, was to pay the making o't, I pray thee. I will pay you that, my friend, and all other reasonable charges. Reasonable charges, said the sexton. Oh, there's grand mail and bell siller, though the bell's broken, nae doubt, and the kist, and my day's work, and my bit fee, and some brandy and yell and the dirgy, and no thinking that you can inter her to go decently under sixteen pund Scots. There is the money, my friend, said Ravenswood, and something over. Be sure you know the grave. You'll be one of her English relations, I's warrant, said the hoary man of skulls. I hae heard she married far below her station. It was very right to let her bite on the bridle while she was living, and it's very right to gie her a decent burial now she's dead, for that's a matter of credit to yoursel, rather than to her. Folk may let their kindred shift for themselves while they are alive, and can bear the burden of their ain misdoings, but it's an unnatural thing to let them be buried like dogs, when all the discredit gangs to the kindred. What kens the dead corpse about it? You would not have people neglect their relations on a bridal occasion neither, said Ravenswood, who was amused with the professional limitation of the grave-digger's philanthropy. The old man cast up his sharp grey eyes with a shrewd smile, as if he understood the jest, but instantly continued with his former gravity. Bridals? Why would neglect bridals that had only regard for plenishing the earth? To be sure, they should be celebrated with all manner of good cheer, and meeting of friends, and musical instruments, harp, sackboot, and psaltery, or good fiddle and pipes, when these old-world instruments of melody are hard to be compassed. The presence of the fiddle, I dare say, replied Ravenswood, would atone for the absence of all the others. The sexton again looked sharply up at him, as he answered, Nay doubt, nay doubt. If it were weel played, but yonder, he said, as if to change the discourse, is Halbert Gray's Langham that ye were speering after, just the third burrock beyond the muckle throwstain that stands on six legs yonder, abun some yin o' the Ravenswoods, for there is mony o' their kin and followers here, deal lift them, though it isna just their main burial place. They are no favourites then of yours, these Ravenswoods, said the master not much pleased with the passing benediction, which was thus bestowed on his family and name. "'I ken na wha should favour them,' said the grave-digger. "'When they had lands and power, they were ill guides of them baith, and now their heads down, there's few care how lang they may be of lifting it again.' "'Indeed,' said Ravenswood, "'I never heard that this unhappy family deserved ill-will at the hands of their country. I grant their poverty.' if that renders them contemptible. "'It will gang a far way, Tilt,' said the sexton of Hermitage. "'Ye may tak my word for that. At least, I ken nothing else that should mak myself contemptible, and folk are far frae respecting me, as they wad do if I lived in a twa-lofted, sclated house. But as for the Ravenswoods, I hae seen three generations of them, and deal yin to mend other.' "'I thought they had enjoyed a fair character in the country.' said their descendant. Character? Oh, you see, sir, said the sexton, 
As for the old gidsir body of a lord, I lived on his land when I was a swankin' young child, and could he blow on the trumpet wi' onybody, for I had wind in yach then, and touching this trumpeter marine that I have heard play before the lords of the circuit, I would he made nae merry him than of a bairn and a bobby whistle. I defy him to he played boot and saddle, or horse and away, or gallants come trot, with me. He had na the tones. But what is all this to old Lord Ravenswood, my friend? said the master, who, with an anxiety not unnatural in his circumstances, was desirous of prosecuting the musician's first topic. What had his memory to do with the degeneracy of the trumpet music? Just this, sir, answered the sexton, that I lost my wind in his service. You see, I was trumpeter at the castle, and had allowance for blowing at break of day, and at dinner-time, and other whiles when there was company about, and it pleased my lord, and when he raised his militia to caper awa' to Bothwell Brig against the rang-headed Westland Whigs, I behoved, reason or name, to munt a horse and caper awa' with him. And very reasonable, said Ravenswood. You were his servant and vassal. Servitor, say ye, replied the sexton. And so I was, but it was to blaw folk to their warm dinner, or at the worst to a decent kirkyard, and notice skirl on the water bloody brayside, where there was deal a bedroll but the hooded craw. But bide ye, ye shall hear what came o't, and how far I am bund to be bidsman to the Ravenswoods. Dilt ye see, we guide on a braw summer morning, twenty-fourth of June, sixteen hundred and seventy-nine, of all the days of the month and year. Drums beat, guns rattled, horses kicked and trampled, Haxton of Rathillet keep at the brig, we musket and carabine and pike, sword and scythe for what I can, and we horsemen were ordered down to cross at the ford. I hate fords at all times, let a be when there's thousands of armed men on the other side. There was old Ravenswood brandishing his Andrew Ferrara at the head, and crying to us to come and buckle too, as if we had been gone to a fair. There was Caleb Balderstone, that is living yet, flourishing in the rear and swearing Gog and Magog he would put steel through the guts of ony man that turned bridle. There was young Alan Ravenswood, that was then master, wi' a bended pistol in his hand. It was a mercy it guide na aff, crying to me that had scarce as much wind left as serve the necessary purpose of my ain lungs. Sound, you poltroon, sound, you damned cowardly villain, or I will blow your brains out. And to be sure, I blew sick points o' war that the scroch o' a clockin' hen was music to them. Well, sir, cut all this short, said Ravenswood. Short? I had liked to have been cut short myself in the flower of my youth, as scripture says, and that's the very thing that I complain o'. Weel, into the water we behoved o' to splash, heels o'er head, sit or fall, a horse driving on another, as is the way of brute beasts and riders that hae as little sense. The very bushes on the other side were ablaze with the flashes of the whig guns, and my horse had just ta'en the grund when a black of eyes westland carl, I would mind the face of him a hundred years yet, and ye like a wild falcon's, and a beard as broad as my shovel, clapped the end of his long black gun within a quarter's length of my lug. By the grace of mercy, the horse swerved round, and I fell aff at the tay side, as the ball whistled by at the dither. 
and the fell old lord took the whig such a swack wi's broadsword that he made twa pieces o his head and down fell the lordans wi o his bouk abun me you were rather obliged to the old lord i think said ravenswood was i my sarty first for bringing me into jeopardy would i no die and then for whomlin a child on the tap o me that dang the very wind out o my body i hae been short-breathed ever since and canna gang twenty yards without pechin like a miller's ava you lost then your place as trumpeter said ravenswood lost it to be sure i lost it replied the sexton for i couldna hae played pew upon a dry hemlock but i might hae done weel eneugh for i keep out the wage in the free house and little to do but play on the fiddle to them but for allan last lord ravenswood that was far war than ever his father was what said the master did my father i mean did his father's son this last lord ravenswood deprive you of what the bounty of his father allowed you ay troth did he answered the old man for he looked his affairs gang to the dogs and let in this sir william ashton on us that will gie naething for naething and just removed me and all the pair creatures that had bite and soup at the castle and a hole to put our heads in when things were in the old way if lord ravenswood protected his people my friend while he had the means of doing so i think they might spare his memory replied the master ye are welcome to your ain opinion sir said the sexton but ye winna persuade me that he did his duty either to himsel or to his pair dependent creatures and guiding us the gate he has done he might again as life-rent tax of our bits o houses and yards and me that's an old man living in yon miserable cabin that's fitter for the dead than the quick and killed with rheumatism and john smith in my dainty bit mailing and his window glazing and all because ravenswood guided his gear like a fool it is but too true said ravenswood conscience struck the penalties of extravagance extend far beyond the prodigal's own sufferings however said the sexton this young man edgar is like to avenge my rangs on the hail of his kindred indeed said ravenswood why should you suppose so they say he is about to marry the daughter of lady ashton and let her ladyship get his head yince under her oaksta and see you if she winna gie his neck a thraw sorra a bit if i were him let her alane for hod nothing in het water that draws near her say the worst wish i shall wish the lad is that he may take his ain creditable gate oat and ally himsel wi his father's enemies that he had taken his broad lands in my bonny kale-yard from the lawful owners thereof cervantes acutely remarks that flattery is pleasing even from the mouth of a madman and censure as well as praise often affects us while we despise the opinions and motives on which it is founded and expressed ravenswood abruptly reiterating his command that alice's funeral should be attended to flung away from the sexton under the painful impression that the great as well as the small vulgar would think of his engagement with lucy like this ignorant and selfish peasant and i have stooped to subject myself to these calumnies and am rejected notwithstanding lucy your faith must be true and perfect as the diamond to compensate for the dishonour which men's opinions and the conduct of your mother attach to the heir of ravenswood as he raised his eyes he beheld the marquis of a 
who, having arrived at the Todd's hole, had walked forth to look for his kinsman. After mutual greetings, he made some apology to the master for not coming forward on the preceding evening. It was his wish, he said, to have done so, but he had come to the knowledge of some matters which induced him to delay his purpose. "'I find,' he proceeded, "'there has been a love affair here, kinsman, and though I might blame you for not having communicated with me, as being in some degree the chief of your family,' "'With your lordship's permission,' said Ravenswood, "'I am deeply grateful for the interest you are pleased to take in me, "'but I am the chief and head of my family.' "'I know it, I know it,' said the Marquis. "'In a strict heraldic and genealogical sense, you certainly are so. "'What I mean is, that being in some measure under my guardianship—' "'I must take the liberty to say, my lord,' answered Ravenswood, and the tone in which he interrupted the Marquis boded no long duration to the friendship of the noble relatives. When he himself was interrupted by the little sexton, who came puffing after them to ask if their honours would choose music at the change-house to make up for short cheer. "'We want no music,' said the master abruptly. "'Your honour doesn't ken what you're refusing, then,' said the fiddler, with the impertinent freedom of his profession. I can play, wilt thou do it again, and the old man's near steed, six times better than ever Patty Burney. I'll get my fiddle in the turning of a coffin screw. Take yourself away, sir, said the Marquis. And if your honour be a north country gentleman, said the persevering minstrel, whilk I would judge from your tongue, I can play Ligarum Cosh, and Melindu, and the Cummers of Athol. Take yourself away, friend. You interrupt our conversation. Or, if under your honour's favour you should happen to be a thought honest, I can play, this in a low and confidential tone, Kelly Cranky, and The King Shall Hay His Ain, and The Old Stuart's Back Again. And the wife at the change house is a decent, discreet body, neither kens nor cares what toasts are drunken and what tunes are played in her house. She's deaf to all thing but the clink of the siller. The Marquis, who was sometimes suspected of Jacobitism, could not help laughing as he threw the fellow a dollar, and bid him go play to the servants, if he had a mind, and leave them at peace. Ah, weel, gentlemen, said he, I am wishing your honours good day. I'll be all the better in the dollar, and ye'll be the war o' wanton music, I'll tell ye. But I'd gang hame and finish the grave in the tunany of fiddle-string, Lay by my spade, and then get my toddler breadwinner, and awa to your folk, and see if they hae better lugs than their masters. End of chapter 24